okay, I'm sure you hear it all the time. People say, well, you knew what you were getting into. You knew what you signed up for. Well, Mm. when you met your significant other, he didn't have the oldest child all the time. No. So I thought what I was getting into was a part-time dad. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 178 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about what you said this weekend. <laughs> Ain't no telling what that is. <laughs> the stress of leaving versus the stress of staying. Oh, okay. Talk about that, David. Well, um, we were talking about something and somebody made a comment about it was I afraid that you were going to leave it was cause you were okay we were at a restaurant and you were like walking through the parking lot and somebody's like oh she's leaving you I'm like I'm not afraid of her leaving me <laughs> and uh and I said because the pain of staying is less than the pain of leaving <laughs> but there's pain either way <laughs> <laughs> well that doesn't sound too good uh, well, I mean, it's a challenge, right? You're dealing with people and you're dealing with the relationships and, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's not the pain, maybe it's the struggle, maybe it's the challenges, you know, the challenges of stay, staying are less than the challenges of leaving. But that makes it sound like that I stay because I don't want the stress of leaving. Exactly. Really? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Why do you stay? (laughs) I ask myself that every single day. There you go. See, I'm right. I'm kidding, David. (laughs) Don't upset me today. I think that sometimes people find themselves in that situation where it's like, you know, I don't know. Some days it's harder than I want it to be. And it oftentimes is that the the pain and the stress and the challenges of leaving is more than that of staying. And so it's just better to stay. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, hopefully if you're working on your relationship and you're working on your blend, then those challenges and stressors, they get less and they get easier. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's kind of the same thing that people say when you reach out for help. Like the pain has to be enough to where you'll say, I need help. Oh, okay. That's so true. Kind of, kind of a play on, on that. You know, people don't need help from anybody on anything until the pain or the stress or the challenge gets too much. Uh, unfortunately, they tend to wait too long or longer than they should or have to before they do that. And that that's not even in blended families. That's just in life. People tend to wait too long, whether it's because they have a problem with alcohol or drugs or just personal issues. I mean, anything you can apply that to. People tend to just wait too long before they ask for help. Right. So speaking of getting help, you can get help in the Nacho Kids Academy. That's right. You can head over to nachokidsacademy.com and check it all out. 
Yes, there are over 20 video courses, three different challenges, including the Nacho Kids Boot Camp and the Change Your Stinking Thinking Challenge. And there are Q&A calls, previous Q&A calls, and an anonymous community. Yep. Always something. Yes. And don't forget, we have opened the Nacho Club for free for everybody. Sure. So check that out at nachokids.com slash club. Sure. We're going to the club. Going to the club. (laughs) Make it rain in the club. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Okay. Our guest today is Stepmom Amy. She is a widow that became a stepmom. She's been blending for two years, together for four years. She has stepson eight, stepson 11, and ours daughter two. The hardest part of her blend is life after loss and the unexpected nature of becoming a full-time stepmom. Mm-hmm. Again, unexpected. <laughs> when she came into the blend, it wasn't a full-time stepmom. Things changed. Maybe we should write a book. You know how they have the what to expect when you're expecting pregnancy <laughs> books? <laughs> like, what to expect when you're blending. Hey, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it could probably be just for one or two pages. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Nothing. <laughs> expect it to go very badly at first. David, expect- you're going to scare everybody that's wanting to get into a blend. <laughs> expect to do things wrong. Expect to learn a lot. (laughs) Yes, we can say expect to learn a lot. But other than that, expect nothing. That is the book. You can purchase that book at, I'm kidding, for (laughs) $39.99. Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected, yes. One thing that Amy and I talk about is the grief. Dealing with the grief of expecting a nuclear family in your blend. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's something that we see quite often that, uh, you know, every, I mean, we went through it. It was, oh, man, this is not going to turn out the way we thought. Mm-hmm. Not that it's bad or worse. It just wasn't what we thought it was going to look like. But in some ways, it's better. Yeah. Like you said, not bad. Mm-mm. No. But it's one of those things where if you if you have this vision of what it's going to look like, you push toward that vision. If you're... If your vision is wrong, uh, maybe wrong is not the right word. But if it's not if it's not good for your family, let's say it that way. Because some for some families it does work. For some blended families, they can get that out of it. Get what out uh, of it? Get get out of it something that looks more like a, mm. a nuclear family. Right. It's not uh, it's not common. But for some, it happens. So I always like to throw that out there because I don't want to do absolutes because some people are looking at all this stuff and they're like, my blend's perfect. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yep. Well, um, if your blend's perfect, you probably ain't listening to this podcast. That's true. That's true. You're probably um, baking cookies with your stepkids singing Felice <laughs> Navidad. Yeah. You know, skipping around doing a Smurf song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 la, 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 la. <laughs> but but anyway, when you have that that vision of what your family uh what you think it should look like and if it's if it's the wrong expectation of what you can do with that, 
you're pushing towards something that's not gonna you're not gonna get there. And it mm-hmm. beca- it becomes stressful and it becomes um you know it becomes sad in some ways because you feel like you're failing. It's not that you're failing, you're going in the wrong direction or going towards something that's just not a right fit for you. Once you find that right fit for you, then you start seeing those successes and you start seeing that you're doing things that's going in the right direction for your family. And then you see those successes. Right. And one thing is funny because you were not a part of this podcast, but her best advice is it's not something you can force. Yep. So true. So true. Yep. It's, you know, it's like a water. <laughs> oh gosh. No, we're not <laughs> doing the water, David. It's like water. Okay. You, like when you pour, look, you pour water oh, in something. Oh gosh. I'm going to say it anyway. You pour water in something, you can't force it to be a certain way. The, the water just goes where it goes. And then it becomes exactly what it should be. And you know what? No matter how how rocky oh, and how gosh. busted up everything is up under, the water at the top is always level. <laughs> All right, David, stay away from the water. We'll talk more about water. No. There's a lot of philosophies in life that surround water. Okay, folks, so let's get to listening. All right. Today we have Stepmom Amy. Hey, Stepmom Amy, how are you? Hey, hey, Laurie. I'm well, thank you. Tell us a little bit about your blended situation and prior to your blend. Yeah, sure. So I've been with my partner for nearly four years. Prior to that, I was married, very happily married for nearly a decade. Sadly, my husband, now my late husband, he um, was diagnosed with cancer kind of five years, five and a half, six years into our marriage. And um, he had a three-year battle with cancer and it deteriorated quite rapidly towards the end. And sadly, he passed away from a brain tumour in 2018. Yes. And then soon after that, Oh, I did all the things that I, I don't know. Well, I don't know what's common and what's not, but I ran away from my grief. (laughs) I I actually went to Canada, had a lot of family in Toronto. My um, late husband was Canadian, actually. And, um, you know, so there was a lot of kind of felt right to go back to where he was born. I felt that was something I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't really sure. And I was a, I was a real whole mess at at some times. I still am, but Uh, you know, things have changed. My life's changed uh, massively as well. But um, within six months of losing my late husband, I came back, I I kind of I did the whole grief thing. I did the whole, sadly, in my little community, which I did, it's it's called a club, uh, a club that you wouldn't want to choose. But you know, when you're part of it, it's a really amazing community and that's my kind of widow sisters which is a whole different vibe like but I have a a massive network there and I'm just so grateful for these amazing ladies some who have gone on you know to have blended families after their loss life after loss so you know we kind of stick together and it, it helps me massively actually get through some tough times but yeah I met my current partner six months after losing my late husband and uh we dated like for, I want to say two years, but pretty soon into our new relationship. I mean, he made it very clear. I've got two boys from a previous marriage. He was uh, divorced at that stage four and a half years. 
his boys were six and eight, nice young ages, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I kind of thought that's cool. Like, you know, you can shape them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I, I, I kind of um, was excited actually at the prospect of just getting stuck into like, you know, I always wanted children and the whole, the whole other aspect of my previous marriage uh, with my late husband is we went through an IVF struggle I think I became obsessed with okay oh you know this is just so tragic but like I've got to have a child like that's got to be something that positive that comes out of it and people were telling me yeah 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 you should because it'll give him hope Uh, but you know oh my gosh like it's so there is you know it's a horrible cruel disease and actually those are not the things that can keep somebody going when the disease takes over that's just uh, one of those cliches. So you tried IVF after you knew he had cancer? We did. Wow. We were actually fast-tracked for what they call here, um, you know, the NHS system. So we have national health cover, like, and they, like, I was like, oh, okay. I thought this is a really hard process. Um, I We had been trying two years, but I never considered myself as having a problem. Mm-hmm. But soon after his diagnosis, and when I expressed an interest to our, our, our general practitioner, the local doctor, he He's like, well, this is something, you know, do you want to consider? My late husband was, I mean, he was just going through so much. And it's not something I think we really processed about what it would involve. Oh, it was a distraction as well, I think, from the treatment, the grueling treatment he was having. Yeah. But I think maybe a more distraction for me. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a success probably for so many multiple factors, if you think about it. Stress being one of the huge yeah. ones, I'm sure. I think so, really. And my body didn't work. And it was my body. And people probably at the time were like, oh, yeah, but that's because he's having cancer treatment. Like, isn't that that would, you know, he'd be an infertile, but actually all his tests were absolutely fine. (laughs) And it was my inhospitable womb. (laughs) You know, that's how they called it. Like, my body just wasn't uh, allowing it. Like, I was fine with uh, the IVF, the the production of embryos and all of that, but maybe the quality and everything was, yeah, it's just basically it didn't take. Right. Mentally, I wasn't with it. It was, I was a bit, I, was, I mean, having said that, actually, compared to the, because uh, I had IVF again with my current partner, so I have a comparison, I suppose, now. Mm-hmm. Mentally, at that time, I think I was actually quite obsessed with it. Like, it was a distraction. I almost treated it like a work project. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got to do it this way and this medicine can work and that because I was doing the same for his care. I was quite obsessed with that side of like becoming an expert and so well informed as to his condition. Right. I did the same with my body and I was like, and I compare it because the time I obviously there's a different partner involved and different things and maybe I had less stress at the time I was successful. The other difference was the time I had success and I now have a miracle daughter, but the success I like, I feel I was also a little bit, I let go suddenly, like, yeah, okay. Like when I met my current partner, he said to me, like, I can tell you always wanted kids um, soon into our relationship. So before the blended situation, like mm-hmm. we, before the blended situation became a blended situation formally, like I had met his boys, but we weren't the whole custody thing was pretty relaxed. It, you know, it was, it was, it was going okay. Like uh, fortnightly visits, all of that. I went into IVF straight away with my current partner um, soon after meeting him. Really? Because, yeah. Because I think we decided pretty quickly, yep, yeah, we know what we want. We want to be with each other. Mm-hmm. We know what life 
like life's too short. <laughs> I definitely knew that. Age was against me and all of that. Uh, we could have carried on trying naturally, but I thought, and he thought, why don't we give it one last shot with the treatment? I also at this stage was like, can't do any harm. I also am just going to go with it. Like my life right now, I'm just going to go with it. Like it's pretty much, whereas before I would stop and overthink everything. So I did, I didn't do too much thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, you know, it was a success and I did get pregnant you know, the first attempt at the treatment. Wow. And it was amazing. And my pregnancy was amazing. And seeing the boys, you know, like, so his whole situation, the whole becoming a kind of stepmom, but I was a girlfriend, obviously. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I was enjoying it. It was, again, maybe a distraction. I mean, I still hadn't maybe processed all my feelings of grief. However, having had therapy, during my late husband's illness and soon after there was something that a therapist spoke to me about given that I was quite young I was 34 35 yeah she had said like do you recognize that some of the stuff you're talking to me about with your late husband and the feelings what you're describing the anxiety and panic attacks that you were describing that you had before he passed away it's something called anticipatory grief yes which like it was a bombshell when she said those words and described exactly the feelings that I had had before I'd lost him. You know, obviously there was still grief after, and actually I'll come to that, that there's grief now maybe is delayed, but mm-hmm. in the immediate aftermath of losing him, there wasn't that whack, like the way grief can hit you that I've heard others talk about. I didn't have it like that. I had that during my marriage, like towards the end of his well, when he was come, when he when his condition became terminal, right? Because your body and your mind are preparing itself for the inevitable, basically. Yeah, like I can't explain to you, like the feeling of I can't even remember all the feelings. Like you know, I have to really think about when people because I speak to a lot of widows now through my work, as I do some charity work with widows and and them. Um, they talk to me about feeling this deep sense of loss, like they've lost a part of their body and like this physical impact. And I'm like, oh, okay. Sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud because I did have those feelings. I know what you're talking about. I relate to you, but it's not now. Like I had that before. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel it was a real reason which allowed me to move on so quickly because I had, I had dealt with some of that grief. And having said that, when I met my current partner, he, the way I describe it is like, he's, he picked me up and put me together as like a new version of myself. (laughs) And he's like just a reliable pair of hands. Like, you know, men like that. Yes. (laughs) Like I was, I was like, I needed just looking after and he was a good dad, (laughs) like an amazing dad. Actually, that's an understatement. And I'm like, well, okay, I never considered that I could be with a guy who had kids, but this makes sense. You're you're so good at the practical stuff that I actually need in my life right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you help me with the messy bits of my life. You, you know, but you're so he's a teacher and he was good at listening, but also solutions focused, like directive. And I'd never been the type of woman who'd be with a man like that, really, because <laughs> mm-hmm. my past and my marriage and I took that role. I had to take that role. I had no choice. I had to be the one because 
nobody else could. Um, I took over, like, because it demanded it, the situation, like deciding things quickly. <laughs> my, in this, my second chapter, I suppose I allowed somebody else to do that for me. I mean, always on my say so. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't reluctant or it wasn't, I went with it, but it's because it felt right. Right. So that's, you know, probably why I managed to get into a relationship where I did allow myself to. And then the pregnancy and all of that, all of that was how I wanted it, even though maybe from the outside and because I have had judgment, I have had comments, which I know are judgment, like, so I know I'm not making it up or imagining it as to like, oh, that, are you sure you're ready? Like there's, there's kind people, people, like my mom and dad, like, you know, they said it for the right reasons, but then they were just like haters. (laughs) Yes. You know, I can tell the difference. You can be... Mother Teresa, and people are going to judge you. Yeah. And what's funny is until someone experiences that, they have no right to judge anybody. And even if they do experience, they have no right to judge anybody. You're doing what you feel was right. Yeah. Yeah, like totally. I wasn't at that point hurting anybody. I was by myself as well. Right. I had a friend that her husband died. Yeah. And she started dating a guy. I don't know, maybe six months later, but she hid it from everybody because she was afraid they would judge her. Yeah. And I hate that for her because she should have been able to live her life and not have to hide because she was afraid that other people would say, oh, it's too soon. Well, with all due respect, they're not coming back. Yeah. And I honestly thought at that point I had, I deserved a shot at my chance of happiness. Right. I really believed it because yes. I thought you don't, none of you guys don't know how bad it was. Like, but I had a beautiful marriage, but as in you don't know how bad it was when it was bad <laughs> in terms of what I went through and the trauma and what I witnessed and the things that were said to me at the time as well, like to do with even relationships that were falling apart. Mm-hmm. So it was a whole load of trauma and it was, I, I wanted to start afresh as and I, I draw a line under it. And I suppose, you know, having a big part of me was, I was a relationship person by that point. <laughs> right. I think I was. Mm-hmm. And I think I, it wasn't like that in my 20s and whatever, but come to my mid 30s, that was a natural state for me. I looked around, everybody who was married with kids. Some people were coming up to divorce, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> generally, that kind of mid-30s range they were all happily married with kids in their houses it was everything I was supposed to have right and I wanted it again maybe I was too simplistic like me and you guy but I also didn't feel I was settling or rushing because like the way the way I approached it is like I, I went online and I set up a profile and everything and I was like saying no to loads of guys I'm like then I almost said this is so stupid maybe all those people who had that judgment were right like I'm rushing I'm being I'm being really I don't know selfish or rash at least and I'm just going to delete my profile off this website Mm -hmm. and just as like I was about to do that literally the same you know there's a cancellation button you go to your admin settings and literally somebody it's a site that matches people so you don't choose right and you (laughs) heard ding yeah in terms of uh, maybe because uh, we're sim- similar ethnicity, because I'm South Asian, I'm an Indian of Indian origin, and so was my current partner. Um, our age, um, 
I don't know. He must have ticked a box where he said he doesn't mind me meeting widows as well. I feel. <laughs> I don't know if that's an option, but I feel like it was never an issue for him, you know? Right. I mean, it might have been for some guys. Oh, oh yes. I can definitely yeah. see how it could be. Yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe he would say it is now. <laughs> but at the time, we were open-minded. We met, we dated. Like you said, you know, fast forward, like pretty much 18 months into a relationship, I was there pregnant. I'd met his boys. We had a good kind of fortnightly arrangement where he was seeing them. And a bit of his story was, yeah, like he was divorced for four years. He had an acrimonious divorce. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know any other way really from stories I've heard, but it was very foreign to me because I, I'd had a happy marriage and then the worst happened. When he told me about his marriage, I was like, oh, you poor thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that sounds awful. You're with a human who you guys pretty much did not love each other by the end, right? Yes, hated uh, each other more than yeah. likely. <laughs> yeah, that's how his story was. And then therefore they took that hate like you had that towards the end of your marriage then you guys become divorced then you're meant to be like doing this co-parenting thing but wait there's a whole load of unresolved hate still there right yeah you're meant to bring these children up together but you didn't even get on so like I actually find it quite hard or amazing that some people manage to do that so smoothly I feel the ones who do it so smoothly like maybe they still love each other a little and they're just not admitting it No, I don't think that's the case. (laughs) (laughs) They're just (laughs) grown-ups. I don't know. And then, yeah, they had had the odd, like, WhatsApp messages that were quite, you know, a bit, you kind of went beneath the belt. They shouldn't have said things that they were saying. He was blaming her taking the kids so far away. That was always his thing. Like, okay, we don't get on. Okay, we're going to divorce. Okay, but you've taken them so far, like two hours away from where he lived, mm-hmm. which made it hard because as a teacher, he then had to, and the custody arrangement very much lent on him having to make the effort and the commute. So he'd finish work on a Friday afternoon, two-hour commute, pick him up. I know that's not a big thing in the States, but over here, like, nobody drives that far. <laughs> right. I don't know why, because our roads are just horrific. Well, and the price of gas. Yeah, our price of gas is really yeah crazy. Like people just do not do that. They may get a train because our trains are pretty good, but he's a driver. Like he just said, I'll, I'll drive. He would do anything for his boys. He picked mm-hmm. them up, and then he worked a bit on the weekends because some money and stuff. He lived with his mum and dad, but he still had to work. Um, so he'd make up extra hours, extra money by working. And point being, he barely saw the kids. You know, like when he had them on the, that weekend maybe his parents but then the parents got a whole load of grandparents time so that was from what I from what I heard so I I, they did more of this before I came into the picture that they had a a, an arrangement it worked well the weekend visits I came into the picture I suppose I took more of their time because I was seeing their dad Mm -hmm. so the weekends would be me and their grandparents I just I get I also got to know his parents pretty quick as well I guess given the situation that they they want they wanted to spend time with their grandchildren so if I wanted to spend time with their dad, like I, it would be in like this extended family setting, which was new to me anyway, but they worked. They're lovely. So that was easy. But little signs now, like I suppose so I'm by this point, if you imagine maybe four or five months into my pregnancy, this is just before the first UK lockdown, like before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before COVID hit, because 
the following year, COVID hit full impact. We all went into lockdown, but this was before like maybe the November, December, but little signs, right? Towards the end of that year, that things weren't so great with the boys at their mums. Mm-hmm. But still, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, oh, this is just unsettled situation. But what I really noticed is with the eldest, he just was so traumatized by having to go back. Whereas the youngest was like, oh, this is a nice little holiday, but I want to go back to my mum right, and school and my life where he lived. Whereas the eldest was more troubled by that. Right. I don't know the reasons, but the only the only thing I can assume is because he was more settled when the divorce happened. He was more used to, he was older, so he remembers more. Mm-hmm. He seems to be more more of a dad's boy, more of a daddy's boy. Like he looks more like him. His personality is probably a bit more similar to him. And he just very attached to his grandparents. That's the other thing. His whole being, like everything was about the dad's side more. And I, I did notice that. Um, although my partner treated both boys equally, I could see there was a just a different bond with the eldest. Right. But still, I was like, okay, this is just, that's fine. You see, you have kids like that. Like I'm closer to my dad, <laughs> you know, my brother's closer to my mom, but mm-hmm. you know, that, that happens in families, you know, love is same, but it's just about personalities, if anything. And eventually like the following February, March, approaching March, yeah, the UK went into lockdown and I was sent home um, as I was working in a high-risk area and I was told, you know, spend the rest of your pregnancy out working from home. My partner was still working. We were still having the boys. Then came March, towards the end of March, and his, their mom turned around and said, like, she's just not coping. Um, she's not coping. This is really hard. The whole thing's really stressful. And she just needs a break like longer than like the cut, you know, like that longer than my partner would usually have them. She needed longer for him to have them for longer. So we did. We lived in a tiny apartment. <laughs> I was pregnant. <laughs> and I think this is when relationships became a bit strained and harder for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was like, okay, seeing them fortnightly, fine. I never had an issue. For me, it just felt, oh, this is more intense. I'm not getting breather and my life or the way I'm imagining how my pregnancy might progress. And then how the life after my baby's born, like I feel things are changing a bit. And your hormones are going crazy. All of that. Yeah, totally. So how long did they stay with you? From March to July. Okay. Yeah. July, it was the eldest one's birthday. And finally, in July and the, towards the end of July, there'd been some angry phone calls between facilitate, like my partners facilitated them, but the eldest was pretty upset with mom. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't really, I still don't really understand. I can't get to the bottom of it, but he just was angry. He talked about mistreatment. He talked about these things. Uh, it was never like any one example, but he felt an unfairness in the way he thought or perceived treatment towards himself compared to his brother like unfairness mm-hmm. on the mom's side and I'm just like okay I don't know what, what to believe uh, I became very confused and I don't know like I suddenly felt and I know a lot of stepmothers have this I, I suddenly felt like I was being treated or asked to be judge and jury mm-hmm. by my partner's parents by my partner even the ex like even she was giving me her side like yeah. I was like as in her side was, no, it's his doing, as in my partner's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 
they've brainwashed him. He's been there too long and he's just been influenced. And I'm thinking, have I missed all that? <laughs> like, I've been around too. Right. <laughs> if anything, I think I encourage my partner to send them back. Like, not not uh, not in a, a forceful, forceful right. way. Like, I encouraged it. Like, you know, come on, like, I'd say to him, don't you think I've been here long enough? They need to at least go back for a week and then we can judge from there. It didn't help that whole school situation, you know, the fact that it was lockdown, it was homeschooling anyway. Oh, yeah. So there was no back pull, normally in step families to get kids back on a Sunday night. That wasn't there because mm-hmm. there was no school. And if anything, my partner's a teacher, so he had had he had that all covered off anyway. Right. But, um, you know, like fast forward now, some of the stuff she's saying was saying, maybe she wasn't wrong. Like, it's not that I feel it was brainwashed. I don't really feel like it's black and white like that, but there was a there was definitely a pull. And because they, naturally the grandparents saw this closeness, they encouraged it more, like they did. And mm-hmm. they did badmouth her. Like, I was there when they would badmouth her. So I'm sorry, like, I've heard, I heard this stuff, you guys right. say. It's, you're not innocent. Yeah, so let's back up a second. Yeah. So at the end of July, did both kids go back to mom? Yeah, yeah, they went back for the eldest birthday, but it didn't even last a couple of days. The eldest asked the dad to come and get him. Okay, just him. Yeah. She was involved by this stage. She allowed it. Right. Yeah. So what's it like now? Do y'all have him full time? Yeah, nearly two years. He's 11, just turned 11 this July gone. Okay. He started high school. We start high school here at 11. Massive life transitions he's had with us. Mm -hmm. He's a good kid. I find sometimes I call it my feelings of feeling blindsided by it all Mm -hmm. can be hard, which isn't his fault, but it can bring up feelings of resentment for a life that I thought I deserved, like I just spoke about before. And some of my emotions that come back, I recognize it because I had therapy for grief. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it's like a different form of grief. I'm experiencing the grief of what I thought my life would be like. Yes. I recognize that. We actually did a step family summit with Claudette Chenevere recently. And one of the gifts that we gave away was grieving the nuclear family. That's it. Yeah. You have to allow yourself to grieve it so you can move on. Totally. I grieved, like I said, just the fact that I thought I deserved happiness without, with or without a step, some in the picture, I don't know. But like the whole nuclear family, exactly that. Like me, my partner, my new daughter, mm-hmm. our first together, how that might have been without having to think, making sure arrangements were made for an 11-year-old or even, you know, we have to always think about different things now. So what what about the younger stepson? Yeah, he stayed with mom for about six months, the early months, things were quite strained because she was still angry, even though she let him go, mm-hmm. I'd say. She had anger towards her stepson as well, not just us. Right. And suddenly I'm, suddenly I'm in the picture, whereas before she'd been quite amicable with me. But suddenly, you know, I'm hearing like, Maybe I wanted him. <laughs> Please, like, girl, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting this so twisted. Like, it's not, nah, like, it was one thing. I've never, I never, I've never had a crossword with her. Right. I didn't want to. And my partner's protected me from that as well. I think a lot of 
men do that I think in these situations I don't facilitate I don't I never had conversations oh no I like we had one conversation when he came back where she said to me not a thank you or anything but just something like she goes I know I know you'll take good care of him because it's not that it's not you she's never she says never it's not me but she goes but mark my word she said he will be back <laughs> like uh, like, like Arnold Schwarzenegger thing I'm like okay uh, cool <laughs> and I said I exactly said I said I hope so because mm-hmm. I'm not ready for this I told her right and then she did say oh I know but like she'd forgotten that conversation because now it's like I'm part of that gang that brainwashed him maybe but I mean she doesn't really say much because I she doesn't even say much to my partner now it's she talks direct to my stepson a lot. He's got a mobile, he's got his own phone. So they talk, so it's warmed up the relationships. But I know my stepson, I feel he is keeping his mum happy. So he has a good relationship with his brother. And they do have a good relationship, actually. Do you still, or does the younger stepson still come for visits? No, she put a stop to that. Even though she, it's the younger one who says he doesn't want to now, it feels as if it's it's her who's told him that. Okay. So they both stayed with you for about three months. Well, no, yep. it's longer than that. March, April, May, June, July, five months. They both stayed with you for five months. They go back for the oldest stepson's birthday. Yeah. Oldest stepson calls dad, come get me. I want to come back to you. He goes back and gets him. And then younger stepson just quits coming. Yeah. Like that suddenly. Yeah. Never came up again. And before that, he'd been coming for four years, every fortnight. Does your husband, it's your husband, right? No, he's not lucky enough yet. Okay. So (laughs) he's not lucky enough yet. So your significant other, Mm. does he have a relationship with the youngest son? No, I'd say not. It's really sad. Oh, It's a sadder situation because he was so close to both boys. Right. And this is the thing, the magnitude of the decision that the eldest took has had such a life-changing impact on so many adults and even another child. But you can't make an 11-year-old feel that. Like, he couldn't have thought this. I know that. I, I, he could have thought, oh, my dad won't get to see my brother and my mum. You know, if anything, she's gained a fair bit. Like, because he was a hard kid with her, a hard kid to parent. Mm-hmm. Now she gets to see him. On good terms, give him all the treats. I mean, it's not been many times. There's, and bearing in mind the court situation, the legal situation, she is still the legal custodian. But because they have this informal arrangement, I don't think it's stand up in court. But right. and I don't see either of them going to court because she knows he wants to be here. He wants to be here. My partner knows that. But I said, like, she's never fought for him. She's never called a, a police officer, a social worker. Or like, I don't know, like the courts, I don't know who you call, but she's she's not really, and she forget that forget the legal side she's not really asked her own son to come back right i've never and my stepson's never he would be he's very honest with both uh, my partner and i and he's never said that well it sounds like her life's easier without him so yeah which is so sad and i feel he does know that that his mom thinks that or that's what her actions demonstrate and if, if that's the vibe you're getting then well you're going to make the most of it where you are Right. And then I have guilt, right? Because I'm like, oh, shit, man. Like, his mom doesn't want him. And if my deep down feeling is I didn't really want it either. And then he just loses out on that mother figure twice. But then 
I don't want to feel guilty about that because it's not my job to replace his mom. It's not my job to be his new mom. Right. It's what people may have expected. My partner and I, he doesn't expect it now. He gets it now. But his parents, maybe not so much. I'm, I'm, I'm flattered. Like, I'm so flattered. Like, they've said to me, you, you're, you're more than a, you know, more of a mom than his actual mom. Like, they say to me things like, just if you gave him a bit more affection, because you, you're perfect in every, every other way. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. Just, <laughs> another woman, like, well, I feel like this is a, the other kind of feminist side comes out of me. Like, why me? Like, why, why do I have to? He's got a loving dad. Right. He's got a loving grandparents, loving brother, and a sort of loving mother. I mean, she does say, I love you in messages and phone. She's always telling him. Right. She gives him, she gives him hugs and cuddles still when she sees him. But yeah, like, I don't want to be a replacement. And, you know, part of my grief journey has taught me that a word <laughs> that I think may be a bit cliche at the moment on, but is to be authentic and to be really true to myself and protect myself. Because my partner kind of tends to think, oh, you're just scared of your past. If you let your barriers down, maybe you could warm up, warm to him a bit. It's because of what you've been through, your trauma, your grief, that you don't want to get close to people because you're scared of losing them. I go, oh, gosh, please. You are not my counsellor. That is not that. Those are not my feelings. Right. If that's the narrative you want to tell yourself. <laughs> fine, but, no, I, have got, it's, I haven't got a guard up. I haven't. It's me being true to myself. Like, right. Really, yeah. Yeah. I, need, I need to keep telling but like it's not I'm not doing I'm not presenting a version of myself that's all cold and ice maiden I'm not it's not about that it's like me after maybe what I've been through but you guys don't really know what I was like before but I'm actually maybe going back to a bit of my true personality you know when I said early on like he picked up and put a new version of myself right actually what my grief journey in the four and a half years is I'm getting back to the Amy I used to know Mm-hmm. like that I used to be before I lost my late husband before I lost that life that I thought I was supposed to have there must have been a little bit of me back in all of that that I've carried to this point that was quite determined self-assured knew what she wanted out of life mm-hmm. and I'm still I feel like it's coming back to me more like I'm doing more for me the self-care thing has been massive in more more now my daughter's like she's two years old she's a little personality like I feel okay I've done a good job there like I've done the whole close you know where I had to keep her close to me like I could feel like I could let us I send her to her childcare now and getting back to my hobbies and a job I mean I've got back to a job yeah <laughs> yeah so that's all helped and that stuff's important because I am more than well being an actual mom like a real mom that I am biologically partner and a stepmom like there's something more there that I've always had and I'm just finding it again it's not complete new version actually there's parts of me that there was nothing wrong with right yeah finding again yeah it's more of the original pre-dealing with your husband having cancer Amy yeah honestly yeah Yeah. and or maybe like some of the strength I had from all of that right Mm -hmm. that is just coming to the surface now that I can share and be open. Because when I was pregnant and when, because my mom says, you're not the kind of girl who just, that's not how I raised you, that you need a man like you. I'm like, mom, but I, I was in a relationship for a long time. And, you know, 
it's not about me just needing a man. I mean, that's a whole, the whole other side of pressure in our relationship might be to do with, I suppose, how people perceive our, our relationship. And then that's hard on my parents. That's hard, really hard on my parents because they were incredibly close to my late husband. Mm-hmm. And then it's not that they, they probably just don't really give my current partner a chance. <laughs> and that's hard for me to be a good stepmom as well. Like, even though I've got my bar- my boundaries, I call them, not barriers. I've got them in place. I don't really want to integrate him into my family. I'm very protective over my family, like my mum, my dad, mm-hmm. especially because they went through all that trauma, all that grief. They went through that with me. Right. And I just, they don't have to be step-grandparents. I don't want them to have that. But it's awkward when there's a biological child in the middle, like even childcare babysitting. Say we want to go for a date night. I can't really call upon my parents because we're not going to split the kids up. Right. <laughs> like I we could. I mean, we have done the daytime stuff, but evening stuff is just easier that we send her with her brother, who she's incredibly close to <laughs> and adores. Like he's nine years older. Right. It's a lovely relationship. And I'm, I actually feel quite, that's the good stuff that's come out of it. Like I feel like he's a extra pair of, he's like his dad, like a safe pair of hands. He's, I trust him, you know, with her, uh, with like, so that when he goes to the grandparents, he's almost, support for them because mm-hmm. you know they're, they're over 60 now so it helps them dealing with a two, crazy two-year-old <laughs> right and they've done the grandparent thing with him so I, like they have a bit more experience and I kind of trust that and I but it affects my parent my relationship with my parents has been massively affected since I've become not since I became a widow who met, met someone it changed although it all happened at the same time so I don't know which bit is that they might be judging or feeling uncomfortable with but I feel like it's more the step one thing Yes. Yeah, like I can sense it. Um, mm-hmm. They're so they are kind, but they would never be, you know, mean to a little boy. But and I don't. The thing is, my stepson doesn't notice it because that's not. He doesn't have a love and affection for them, so he's not going to notice if they'd be a bit. You know, when it comes to like, he just doesn't see them as at all, really. Right. So I I go over with just my daughter, and that's how it generally works when I see them. But it's hard because yeah, my partner's not around then, and it's it's weird. It's all that's a weird dynamic. It's like want to be a family, mm-hmm. but I can't because obviously the stepson's in the picture. So when it's not with family, we can do it. Like if we're out with friends, or if we're doing our own thing, like we go to family days out. It's all cool. But when it comes to my family, and my friends, it's a bit more. It's messy, and I have to orchestrate it. That he's. Like I want to take my daughter because a lot of people haven't met her because we're coming out of lockdown. So I want people to meet her and she's introduced to her. I've got a huge extended family. So I want her to, but it's like, it's awkward. Like I feel he won't enjoy those relationships and interactions. I do take him to stuff, but I kind of feel like I have to arrange his care. And it's, that's the bit that's stressful sometimes. Does your significant other ever say things to you regarding you not taking stepson to see your parents. He he used to. He doesn't now because it comes back to me just being like I've got that they're part. Of, it's part of my list of boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> just don't like don't don't put that on my mom and dad. Like I'm not having it really. They've been through enough, and it might be hard, but it's also something they didn't choose. So just accept it. He has yeah, and like, he does. He has said things. Definitely less now. Now he. Ex- kind of accepts the situation now he helps like we've got a few events coming up in my family it's a big time of year like in the Indian calendar because Diwali's coming up and 
there's a lot to organise. But what helps is that he's got his grandparents who do a lot anyway for him and with mm-hmm. him. Like they go, they're above and beyond normal grandparents, definitely. They're definitely like an extended mum and dad, but still with a grandparents vibe, like <laughs> they spoil him and he's definitely got that safety net. Sometimes I think the reason he chose to live with us, he almost had this version of like, he'll go back to when he was four or five years old and he lived with his grandparents. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think he knew what he was choosing really. Right. So does the younger stepson get to see the grandparents? No, same as the dad, like with the dad, the way oh. she is. Yeah. And so the younger stepson doesn't have a relationship with your daughter either. Nope. That's sad. Yeah. It's sad, but then I don't know any different. Right. And she doesn't know any different. No. Yeah. It might change, right? I've seen how things can change so quickly. Yeah. Things can change in the blink of an eye. (laughs) That's the blended family life, isn't it? Like, Yes. I mean, you've seen that several times in your life for sure. Yeah. So quickly. Sometimes it can feel with how the pace can be so fast changing because there's so many little little people involved and then big emotions at mm-hmm. the same time. Well, and when we look at this and say, okay, I'm sure you hear it all the time. People say, well, you knew what you were getting into. You knew what you signed up for. Well, mm. when you met your significant other, he didn't have the oldest child all the time. No. So I thought what I was getting into was a part-time dad situation. Right. Right. And so stepmoms listening or future stepmoms that are listening, future stepdads, future people. <laughs> future people, yeah. That things can change. Honestly. And you can end up being a full-time step parent. Change so quickly, honestly. And you know, I find it hard. So the thing that can has saved me therapy, family. I say networks and my boundaries. Those are kind of the themes that have saved me. Yes. The middle one, the networks one, has been so hard to connect with in my situation. And I get that. We're all unique, irrespective of a similar title, stepmom. Within that, there's so so many complexities, isn't there? Like yes. so many variations of it. But for me, I couldn't, like I found that all the advice geared to how to be, how to deal with a step kid coming over on a weekend or every fortnight how to deal with the custody how to deal with that part-time aspect of like sometimes you're a regular wife and then sometimes you're a stepmom wife like but for me it went from being stepmom fortnightly and not even that the girlfriend suddenly to all the responsibility yes I found it hard to find networks exactly that situation Mm -hmm. becoming a full-time stepmom so quickly without much because some people might become a full-time stepmom but I feel it might be after many years right and yours was quickly Mm, like I feel like maybe they that in their late teens they might decide something like that right it may be in their late teens or god forbid the death of yeah yeah, one of the bio parents but it's rare that well from our experience it's rare that the custody changes like this right that quickly and then I've almost expected like that her words ring true to what she said that he'll be back, that maybe this is just temporary, but then that can always be unsettling situation and feel like I want to feel like something's a bit more permanent in my life at this point. And so I'm less like that feeling. I don't have the feeling he will go back really. And I, I think that I need that. I need to know that almost because that gives me some something to work with. Right. You need stability. You need to know 
is this child planning on living with you till he's 18? Or is he going to go back to mom's next week? Because yeah. it does affect the relationship you have with him. It affects the commitment aspect. Yes. Yeah, yes. how much you give and how much you invest, I think. Yes. Literally, literally, like financially as well, not even like in an emotional sense. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> kids are not cheap. No, they are not cheap. I feel like, but here's the thing. I don't feel like he switched the emotional connection. I feel like that was always with dad. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I feel like he's just come back to what he's always wanted to come back to, actually. And I do feel that he's chosen his dad, not me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Fine. It's harsh, but it's okay, because that's that's a better way to view it for me as well. And I say to him, and this is where she, she will never believe it, but I'm like, you only got one mom. You know, I say that. Like, because um, look at look what's happened in my life. Yes. I didn't have kids, but God forbid the worst happens and I can't tell an 11 year old he doesn't know about my, he does actually know about my past he does but I'm not sure he really processes like he doesn't really get it on yeah. an emotional level his dad has told him and um, I find it hard to talk about but he has spoken to him about his dad mm-hmm. and I'm like you only got one mom and I feel that's why he does do the FaceTime and he has been over since he's lived with us he's been, stayed the night twice but he's seen them a bit more maybe a handful of times, but he has been back. I do feel that's because of my insisting, not really because he would, it's his choosing, but he's also doesn't mind it, which is sad because what's happened is he's become quite resilient, which yes. is a word we throw around so much. Yes. And I've learned to think, I expect my stepson, I say, oh, I hear people say, well, he's resilient, he's strong. I'm like, gosh, if people said that about, I know she's only two, but even when she was his age, I'd hate for people to call my daughter resilient because it means she, she would have had to go gone through some serious crap. Right, right. I don't yes. want, a child shouldn't have to. You're right. It's such a mature, grown-up emotion. Like, it's, uh, you know, we don't want it. We don't want to deal with resilient generation. We want to deal with a generation or, you know, his age where he can, and I feel like he does have that tough exterior, but, I, you know, he's not a touchy-feely kid. He's not over even with his dad i mean it might just be the whole teenage woman's kicking in but yeah but the in-laws want you to go hug on little johnny <laughs> yeah, exactly and little johnny's probably thinking i would rather not rather not everyone tells me stranger danger and everything <laughs> yes <laughs> stranger danger stranger danger <laughs> yeah yeah i know so we we have a, like in terms of our relationship people ask a lot like i think Whatever his relationship with his mom, it seems to be set in stone. Doesn't seem to be much change on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe factual improvements, but never real big changes. But I feel like it's the same with me as well. I don't imagine things changing much from this point. And I suppose that's where the whole natural thing does come in, actually, because I am of the mind that I will get involved at arm's length. I have my boundaries. I have my life now. More, I'm discovering more of my life now. Um, what I want to be, my identity, and trying to trying to get that back, and don't really define myself as a stepmom. That doesn't in my introducing myself to people. It doesn't really. It's not how I would introduce myself. Oh, by the way, yeah, I'm a stepmom. I'm four years old. Stepmom, birth uh, biological daughter, partner. It. I don't really say the stepmom thing. Right. Yes. Most people know I, I my arrangement, and I, I I want it's okay, and I want. I want it to be like that because some of the, oh, over the years you'll get closer. And I think to a certain extent we might get closer because we'll just change. Mm-hmm. But 
I'm good with this because mentally, and even things can blow up sometimes now and again, I suppose, in my own emotions, because we're still dealing with like the teenage years, those things are coming up more and more. Like Yes. So, I, that, but that's, that's fine. Like I do get involved. Like, so with the Nacho thing, I suppose I'm like, I don't know, on the right side of it, <laughs> but I'm trying to establish my version of it. And one of those is like, I'm happy, it's weird because I'm, I'm happy to get involved in like his schoolwork. Um, hobbies interests like I like to encourage his reading I am interested in him having an interest in some of mine like things that I enjoy which not the way he was brought up right but that's just like a family dynamic that I feel yeah yeah I want him to want to go to things that I enjoy with my daughter so he can be part of certain things yeah the thing is you nacho things that cause you stress so if you don't mind being a part of these things and actually enjoy them and if he's receptive to you being a part of them and your significant other is also okay with you being involved in those things, then it's all good. You don't have to nacho that stuff. Yeah. Now, if you were trying to, if you were encouraging him to read and he's thinking, I don't want to read all the time and he's complaining to dad about it and dad is telling you just back off of him, he doesn't want to read, then that's where you would need to nacho that. But if everybody's okay with it and it's working well, then stick with it. Yeah. I mean, it's not that any of these situations, we as a family work so much better when we're in a routine. And I think that goes for any family, blended or not. Yes. So we're much better Monday to Friday. <laughs> like it works much better for my mindset. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am curious his relationship with his brother, you said that they have a good relationship, but they don't see each other very often, do they? Yeah. So like on the phone, it seems. Right. Yeah, exactly. What, what, how do you define good? You're right. Like they have much time with one another. But then when they did, they used to fight all the time. Yes. Who knows? They might end up with a better relationship because they don't live together. Yeah. I've actually thought about that because it seems like as he's growing up the eldest, I think he'll be quite independent. I can imagine him like, well, I'm just going to go drive down and see my brother. You know, when he's of that age? Right. <laughs> Forget mom. Like, I'll arrange. Because only two years age difference. So, yeah, as teenagers, I feel like they could grow closer. And I don't feel there's jealousy on either side. I don't feel the youngest is jealous of this situation because it's not what he wants. And I feel the eldest is jealous of the youngest situation. It's not what he wants. Like, right, right. For both of them, it works well this way. They've chosen or the parent they want to be with. It's mad, really, but a weird way it works because you're where you you basically are where you are happy right so how long has it been since your significant other saw the youngest child at the eldest one's birthday like um because they had a party and he invited him and then my partner was supervising as the parent because the mom just dropped him and that was funny but he doesn't come for christmas or holidays or anything no i mean we've only had two and one we were in Miami actually <laughs> so we've not been we've not had much in a new house but um we I think it would be fine I think he's more comfortable with my partner when his mum's not around oh of course it's more natural his his god certainly like he's he's, a, he's more of a baby he's, more, he's younger like I think he like oh, like it's really sad like my dad my my partner's just a really man's man dad that type of guy mm-hmm. sports and all of that and no way a mom's doing that with him I know some moms can by the way but I know 
she's not. Right. And the youngest is more into that rough and tumble, more of a, a lad, we call it here. And uh, he got that sense of adventure from his dad and that personality. I don't know who's nurturing it, that side of his personality. Is bio mom in another relationship? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't think they live together or anything. Yeah. Yeah. She was single mom for many years. I don't know what the future holds. Like the, Some people have said, would you take the younger one if you wanted to come as well? I can imagine. I can't imagine a scenario where that would happen because I feel like he's genuinely happy. I think my answer would be on this one: a firm no. Like I would. This is where I think I'd have my eyes wide open. Would um, you really? I don't think I would take him. <laughs> like okay, then let me ask you this: mm. Your husband comes to you and says, "Little Bob wants to come stay with us," and you say no. And then your partner says, well, then we have to end our relationship because my son wants to come live with me. Which is what happened the first time. No, he didn't say end relationship, but I feel like it was an ultimatum the first time. I think, I think I've changed. I think I'm stronger. I genuinely think I would say, okay, then test me. Well, but think about this. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. By the way, I don't think he'd leave his daughter. (laughs) (laughs) He'd leave me. (laughs) Yeah. But then you would end up losing time with your daughter. Yeah. I thought about that as well. Like, what would I do as a divorced parent? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I suppose. I personally could never tell David that none of his kids could come live here. Yeah. I suppose when it came to it, I know that. Given what I've done the first time, I probably wouldn't be able to say no. But yeah. I, I'd have to enforce a bit. I don't know. There'd have to be some more discipline behind it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You'd want to say no, but you just. Uh... Yeah. I know I know my character as well. Like, I think the thing is, I felt the vulner- vulnerability from the eldest. I felt a certain sense that it was there. Like, you were sad. Right. Well, and maybe my view is skewed because... Jackson is David's stepson. Right. So I know if David ever told me that Jackson couldn't come live here, then I would be hasta la pasta, baby. Exactly. So maybe that's why I have a different view on it. It's about the loyalty aspect. Yeah, I don't know. I want him to get that relationship back. Sometimes I feel like, should I just reach out to have a woman-to-woman conversation about it all? But then... Uh. I don't know, want to get involved. Yeah. <laughs> I'm naturally the ex, for yes. sure. <laughs> well, you don't want to get involved, but you also don't want to put those pressures on you. And when I say that, I mean, you talk to her, just say things go well. Yeah. But then the relationship with dad and his son actually get worse. Then you're going to feel guilty. And it could. You could say one wrong thing with because I think she is quite volatile. Right. And ultimately I don't trust her. So yeah, you don't know how things could be misconstrued and presented in a different way. And I don't want any opportunity for that to happen. And that goes back to definitely my grief and what's happened to me in the past. Like I I'm definitely don't want conflict. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I don't want any conflict at this point, I guess. Right. Just, And what you have to do is realize that your significant other 
since he's not lucky enough to be your husband yet. (laughs) (laughs) He's an adult. And if he wants to try to reach out to his son, he can. Yeah. If he chooses not to, that's his decision. Yeah, I feel like the eldest has got a lot of weight on his shoulders where he feels like he might have to do some of that peacemaking. Mm-hmm. He does, he does. Oh, he does say to his brother, you should talk to dad, you know. Yeah. That, that does come up. Like, yeah. you've only got one dad, he's literally the parent. He's talk, talking that way. Because yeah. I feel like he he's like, I'm growing up enough, I talk to mom. you should be growing up enough, you should talk to dad. Like, I feel... He's trying to have that same. And he even says, I've come here once. It's your turn to come to me now. Like, uh-huh. it, he, that, that, that conversation happens a lot. Right. Right. But your stepson will learn that he can't force that relationship between no. his brother and his dad. But I am proud of him for trying to encourage that. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's grown up. He loves his brother and he loves his dad and he wants to be able to for lack of a better word, play happy family. Yeah, because they had such a great dynamic, the three of yeah, mm-hmm. the three of them, like boys club. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. I do know the longer it goes, the harder it's gonna be for your husband well. or your husband. I keep y'all just need to get it's married okay. because Everyone I keep saying it. that. <laughs> Everyone says it. Everyone says it. I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, but the longer it goes, the harder it's gonna be for them to build that bond back. Yeah. Because when we talk about issues in families, I hate the word broken families, but things can just get become a habit and just become fixed, even if they're not perfect. Right. You can just learn to live with it. The other day, I was thinking about a friend of mine, and I said, I haven't talked to her in a while. So I looked back and went to send her a text, and I realized I have not texted or called her nor has she texted or called me since January. That's mad, isn't it? I'm yes. sure I have situation friendships like that. And I'm thinking, it's September, almost October. How horrible. How horrible that I didn't contact her and how horrible that she didn't contact me. But life gets in the way. And like you said, you get in that routine to where that person's not a part of your routine. Yeah. When something yeah can so easily drop out of your routine that used to be. Right. And I've got I've got that. Friends who I used to text all the time. If suddenly my life's just changed, they've ghosted me or they've gone <laughs> or they've left for a reason or in and out for a reason, they say, don't they, as well. So I've definitely had a lot of that going on in the more recent years where some people haven't understood the situation. Well, a lot of that is because you lost your husband. Mm. They, either they were friends of his, they don't know what to say, they don't know what to do. Or you're single, they're married, and then you have a child with your significant other. So now you're a new mom in a new relationship. Mm -hmm. What's that saying? Um, People are a part of your life for a season. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And I've I've also got healthy friendships networks. Because I'm weird. I use that word a lot because it's not really a friendship. (laughs) Right. But it's it's a network. It's helped me. Community. I've got that with the widow community. I've got that with this blended family community. There's some rare examples of widows who've become stepmoms. Who and that's the whole thing. Then like my some of my widow friends who are now ready to move on and they want to find somebody. Like I put them off. They're like, 
no offense, we couldn't deal with that. <laughs> we know, we know, we don't want what you've got. <laughs> like that's that's fair enough because I have a friend who and she's like, I've become. But the only difference is they've got kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in situations I know there's other. They've got kids already from from their marriage from their late husband. That's complicated, you know, because kids grief. Yes. And and some kids will want another father figure or mother figure in the picture. Yeah. All I do say to them is never say never. Right. Because you don't know who you're going to connect with and you don't know their story until you start. Yes. (laughs) Being that you don't know, like if you're going to rule people out at the end of the day, I just chose the man. And there's a whole lot of things that came with it, but I chose the man. Mm Mm-hmm. And I went for kindness and I went for all the qualities I actually value and I still value. Right. They yes. haven't disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of stuff that came with it, but at the core, the relationship's still the same as it was when I first met him. And I think that's something that I value a lot. And so whenever the going gets tough, I just remind myself of the reason we're together. And especially maybe because we're not married, there's no... We don't have to prove to anybody else anymore. Right. We've both been through. It's definitely for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well, I have learned throughout my life, like you said, never say never, because if you say never, it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. It is going to happen. Well, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I know that things have been rough for you, but I am proud of you and inspired by you how you have decided to find that happiness in life that you deserve. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. And I hope things get better with your stepson and your significant other. Yeah. There's always hope. Yeah. Well, come back in a couple years and let us know how those teenage years are going there. Oh, definitely. There's always an installment to this story. Yes, always. (laughs) Never-ending story. Yes. Well, thank you again, and you have a good day. Thank you. Okay, David, so what's your kick with the Wata? Um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of stuff I've been watching lately has something to do with that. The Cobra Kai thing? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was I was listening to some podcasts, and they were talking about something that had to do with that philosophy, some type of philosophy that, that had you know water in it. And then a few days ago, I was watching like a old Bruce Lee video. And he and he says that he's like be like water, <laughs> and I'm like everywhere I'm going I'm seeing this whole water thing. So I'm taking notes. It's for a reason. <laughs> okay. So be like water. Be like water. I do have something <laughs> that I want to mention. This past weekend we had a very very special visitor, Claudette Chenevere, came to visit us. Yes, she did. She came to the Nacho Kids Airbnb. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she did. (laughs) We thoroughly enjoyed having her here. And not only is she a great stepmom coach, she can paint like a mad person. Mm -hmm. We went to one of those paint and sip things. Mine looks like I threw nachos on it. (laughs) Hers looks like a beautiful fall picture yeah it's sad somewhere in between yeah 
So the lesson is don't e- <laughs> the lesson is don't ever go paint with Claudette Chenever. Yeah. <laughs> don't take somebody who's really good at something and go do it with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She says she'd never been axe throwing. We should have took her to do do that. (laughs) We'll do that next time. Yeah. Well, you know, the sipping and axe throwing. (laughs) They do serve beer at those things. I think that's a perfect blend. Alcohol and edged weapons. (laughs) There you go. The perfect blend. Yeah. And then we also did a scavenger hunt type thing through Clued Up app. That was fun. Yep. That's always a good exercise day. Yes. It's a good exercise day. It's like a virtual scavenger hunt. You'll have to check it up. It's clued up with two P's dot com. Yep. It was fun. And then we went shopping at the Hobby Lobby. <laughs> well, you know, the, the clued up app thing, not that I'm pushing clued up app, but it's a good family thing that you can do. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Um, and you, you know, the whole family can get outside, and you're walking around, and you're working together toward this common goal, kind of like we used to do with geocaching back in the day. Yeah, but geocaching was free, which this the is ge- not expensive at all, folks. It's really not. Yeah. And of course, you know, geocaching, certainly great. Now, we hadn't done it in a long time, but it, you know, it used to be very big. I don't know if it still is or not, but those are things that we enjoyed as a family. It didn't cost anything. Um, it, back in the day, this is we were doing it like before – smartphone so we had to have a gps we had to purchase a gps to do it now you can do it from your phone yeah we did it the old-fashioned way yeah and uh we'd give the kids another gps and we'd let them find one and then we'd get to the next one the next kid had to find one Mm -hmm. which you know the more kids you have (laughs) the longer it takes you to do these things yes like the time we went fishing and everybody had to catch a fish (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that was a long day (laughs) that was horrible It was horrible. <laughs> but have to be fair, everybody has to catch a fish. Everybody's got to catch a fish. I know. I was like, I'm about to put one on a hook and throw it out there. <laughs> I was about to jump in and pretend to be a fish. <laughs> Look, you caught a lorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before David has a smart comment to, oh, you caught a lorry, <laughs> we will go ahead and let you go. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for listening. Be sure to share this podcast out and leave us a review. We appreciate those. A yes, bunch. A bunch. A whole big, big bunch. Yep. And for Lori and myself, remember, life is good. When you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.